On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. The town may be kind of small, but these folks have big smiles and big hearts, and they know what it is to have simple fun down our way. For old-fashioned singing and homey gatherings make living mighty pleasant. Yeah, it was our first show in Boston. But I saw the pictures, yes. Yeah, it was fun. I, I, I had a very Boston experience. <laughs> as soon as I got there, I got a parking ticket, and I got uh, in a fight with someone on the street. So, <laughs> Was it a physical fight or just a verbal no, altercation? Just, just somebody just yelling for no reason. So I, it felt... I felt welcomed. <laughs> Dave's rolling. Welcome to Abandoned Albums, the documentary podcast where we take a closer look at some albums that may have been forgotten about over time, some albums you might not even know existed, and some albums by up-and-coming artists we think you should know about. I'm your host, Keith R. Higgins, and joining me... Once again, the incomparable Mr. Jeff Calhoun. Uh paper doesn't give many details. Tell me about this. On this episode of Abandoned Albums, we talk with Tierney Tuff, the front woman of the Florida-based band The Pauses. I love this band. Self-described as a beep boop band from Mickey Town, USA. I was exposed to them when they came through my hometown and, and went to the show and, and came away going, how long has this band existed? How long have, how long has this treasure existed in the world? And I will, I didn't know about it. Uh, and it turns out quite a while. They've been around for almost a decade. They are angular indie pop, but there's almost a post rock, like prog rock element to the guitars and the rhythm section. I, I don't know. It's, it's difficult to pin down when you get a hold of a band that you enjoy, but you can't explain in just a couple sentences exactly why. I, there's a richness there, and and I can't wait to explore that richness and talk specifically because there's one album in the Pauses catalog called Unbuilding that I just I, I can't get enough of it. I listen to it over and over and over again. It's in steady rotation after years um, of being a fan of the band. It's still in steady rotation. So I'm so excited that we get to welcome Tierney to the podcast and talk about the pauses. Here's our conversation with Tierney. So I'm going to ask you a very basic question. Okay. For the uninitiated, how would you describe bebop or I'm sorry, beboop? rock be bebop is different than uh, i know entirely different um it's just you know it's just a cutesy way of saying electronic music the image i get in my head is going up to a dog and going well i can do it right now if I. oh yeah like a booping a nose yeah that you could do that you could be boop a nose (laughs) it's really however you want to interpret it it's just it's always such a weird thing to have to classify your music and explain it. Um, so, you know, with us, we just like to make it funny. <laughs> it works. It's very playful. Yeah. yeah. Playful is a good word. Yeah. You hear, you hear that whimsy, I think in the music. Yeah. It, we don't take ourselves too seriously. And then we do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but on both of the full lengths, you worked with Jay Robbins on both or just the one? Yeah, uh, he he produced both. Okay. I, I feel like it was a very natural evolution for, for the pauses as a band. But if you listen to the records back to back, even though there's a number of years in between them. Um, but I got to tell you, it's... I, it, it's not a record that I would say sounds like a Jay Robbins record. Um, both of the records. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, a little out of the realm in a way. I, I, I think it's still under like the blanket genre. He typically 
for sure. We'll take, we'll take on, but you know, if you know Jay, he's into so many, so many different styles of music, and that's one of the reasons why I love working with him because he he does love all that experimental stuff, and really, he really loves a lot of pop music too. Um, and I remember finding out one of his favorite bands was Oasis, and it really just shocked me because I was. I, I think I'd walked in on him listening to Oasis. So I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I love Oasis, but I didn't think you loved Oasis. Question to the Prime Minister, Mr. Michael Shersby. How can the Prime Minister support a law that makes it illegal for people who... What I'm trying to say is... Oasis rules! Mr. Shersby, you've been warned seven times this month to stop bringing up Oasis. But is not Oasis the greatest British band since the Beatles? Can we not vote on this? I love that about him. He he has like a, a sweet spot, you know, for for pop stuff. So it works really well for us to kind of combine those two worlds. It's in spite of it, not sounding like I might picture something coming from him would sound to me. There's a, it's a hi-fi record. I think they're both great sounding records, like nice work Jay on the production elements. I mean, they, they sound dynamite. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, We try, you know, (laughs) Um, the, the audio quality is definitely important to us and i'd like to think you know we'd like to think that the, these are like headphone records you know yeah there's a lot of ear candy and and detail and um you hopefully new things you discover you know some of my favorite records are the ones that you can put on and hear something new each time and you know that's that's definitely an important factor for us but i want to start with the album title itself unbuilding which i have read a little bit about the the backstory and i'd like to hear it from you there's there's an inspiration behind the name and kind of it's not a concept record but there's kind of an idea to it it's loosely themed i guess there's like a a loose architecture theme and design which for me part of my backstory is um being having a heavy interest in all that stuff. And at one point considering doing that <laughs> seriously um, when I gave up on music <laughs> a long time ago, um, but, and tried it and then realized I, I can't give up on music. It's too, too, too close to my heart. Um, so, so yeah, the name comes from this book called unbuilding and it's this guy. Uh, he, he's an architect named David McAlai. And he just has these beautiful, like, oversized books that are, like, just, like, sketches. Um, And this book is about – this is so nerdy. (laughs) Um, You're amongst friends. We're we're here for the nerdy. (laughs) Yeah. I just – I actually found his books in a thrift store a long, long time ago, and I just had held on to them um, because the drawings really were so captivating. And uh, basically, it's this fictional story about this prince. I, th- I think he's from Egypt, maybe, but he comes to New York City, and he basically wants to buy the Empire State Building and have it deconstructed and 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 you know move to where he is. Um, so this whole book, like, goes. There's a story, you know, about this, and then it also shows like the deconstruction and like actual architectural drawings throughout the book and how they would actually do that. Um, and which I thought was really cool. So I just love that idea and that concept of like, I don't know, wanting to like destroy something (laughs) and then put it back together. So, uh, and I just love the name. Very cool. I am speaking of architecture. There was a, uh, brutalism Mm. exhibition over at the Yale, New Haven, uh, Yale university school of architecture that I went to. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That's cool. I went to a brutalism exhibit, um, at the, the Orlando downtown public library is a brutalist building. And, um, they'd had one about, about that building, which has been there for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I love, 
Yeah, I love that stuff. It's I get really cool. nerdy on that stuff and like all the mid-century architecture and design and yeah. So there's like, you know, and this is even, God, this is so nerdy. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of songs on the record, on that record that are references to Charles and Ray Eames. You know, I love their designs and things that they came up with. And I highly recommend watching the documentary, The Architect and the Painter, which is about them. And it's just, it's just this, it's basically a love story about this power couple that work together, you know? And uh, so one of the songs is about that. Very cool. Yeah. You and Jason both, Jason is the guitar player from The Pauses. Mm -hmm. um, you and Jason both strike me as the type of folks that would hit a thrift store hoping to find some musical gadget or contraption or, or obscure piece of gear that you can somehow work into the sound and an ongoing <laughs> effort to keep yeah. things fresh and new and different and weird. Um, yeah. I don't think we're like intentionally trying to be weird. I think we just, it's just organic. <laughs> There's an organic weirdness to what we do. Um, I think like, yeah, I don't know that we would, uh, I, I mean, I definitely, you, you can see this is my little music room. <laughs> I have an assortment of thrift store instruments and weird stuff, you know, I have this melodica <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing with. And then um, I just got this little Zoom H2N. It's like a little field recorder thing. So I've been kind of playing with that to make like beats and stuff. But, um, you know, we, we, uh, and, and he's, um, he definitely has a lot of that stuff too. Um, he's more of like the like digital thrift store, <laughs> you know, finding weird stuff on online. One of the songs on this record, um, you know, you know the Google, like the daily Google, I don't know what they're called. Um, in the search engine, it'll change. Like it's a different theme. Um, yeah. There was one day uh, there was a Clara Rockmore uh, Google theme and she's like a famous the famous theremin player. Um, so you could play, you know, the theremin on the Google search engine and uh, Jason actually used that and recorded it for one of the songs. So I think, yeah, I, I think resourceful maybe is maybe the word. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like trying that. to find, trying to find, you know, unique sounds for sure. And taking pre-existing elements and kind of messing them up in a way and affecting them in, in a different way. And, I started to play more with like vocal effects for this record and um, which I'm getting more into now. So yeah, just, just kind of like slightly altering something, you know, I think is maybe our, our forte. <laughs> One of the things that you occupied yourself with while everybody was locked down was you published a couple covers. One of them was uh, a pretty incredible breeders cover. I thought, is that something that you are mixing into the set? Yeah, that's uh, that's one of my favorite breeder songs. Probably my favorite, all time favorite breeder, breeder songs, uh, uh, called "Off You," and um, we did that because oh, uh, because we did a breeders cover set at the fest uh, several years ago, and that one was always a really fun one. And I thought we should record this because um, we do like we, we kind of put a spin on it because the normal one is. Um, like quiet, you know. So we did like a rocking version of it. Um, and I just, I just loved how it came out. So we recorded it, and then um, we did a split with the Good Life, who had a Breeders cover song. So um, we just put those two together and put it out on a seven inch. So that's why that happened.
were doing these like, uh, like when the pandemic happened and everyone's like, you know, stuck at home and like filming themselves with their phones and stuff. We're like, let's do like a crazy <laughs> live, you know, video of covers where we are all individually recording ourselves and like, you know, make it a little bit more, uh, I don't know, interesting than this watching someone play in their living room. <laughs> So we did a couple covers uh, for that just to like keep ourselves kind of sane and have like something to look forward to. We've done several cover shows in the past. So we kind of just had this, you know, group of songs already in our noggins. <laughs> Before I move on, did you go into that relationship with a favorite Jawbox song? <laughs> I mean, we were just super fans. Um, favorite Jawbox song. I mean, there's so many. It's hard to hard to pick one let's see i mean i i guess if i had to pick one um my my favorite's probably cooling card i really oh. love the bass line yeah. uh on that song which kim you know just is so she just kills but um yeah it's hard to say i mean we just we love them so much so <clears throat> so i think they and and maybe post post-rock, post-punk, I don't know what, what label we're going to slap on it, but <laughs> jaw, something Jawbox does really, really well is they'll give your ear an expectation. They'll, they'll set a groove, and then whether it's with the guitar or the bass or the percussion or all three, they're going to do something in the song structurally to kind of put your ear on tilt. You go, oh, sure. I, didn't ex I didn't quite expect that. And I think, I think you guys really excel with that. Jason with the guitars, certainly... But you yeah. guys are really successful with that electronically. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a that's a compliment for sure. Um, I I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I th we're proud of of that. Uh, you know, Jason. That's that's mostly his world, um, and he's just so so gifted in that. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh you're welcome. Um, I want to talk about a specific song on the record, which is Digital Detox. Okay. I read that it that you and Jason kind of workshopped that originally as like a jingle. As a composer, you're constantly coming up with little snippets of music to submit, and some of it sometimes doesn't make the cut. Um, so he'd had this little little piece lying around. It wasn't even a full song; it was just like a maybe a you know one riff or something. And I just like I'd heard it, and I was like, "Oh, that's so catchy!" Like. You know, that would be so fun to work on. It, I think he was like resistant because it was like 
too sugary for him. <laughs> oh, okay. Because, you know, when you're making commercial music, it's like got to be, they're like, make it sound like M83, you know, and, and do those, oh, 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 whatever. So I think in his, he had associated it with being, you know, sugary. So it was kind of a struggle. I was like, no, 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 it's really fun. Like, let's let's keep working on that. And then that, of course, ended up being the single. <laughs> if, if you if people still do singles, you know. So um, yeah, that's a fun one, and I really love that bridge section where it, uh, it sounds like a video game. Like you kind of like he kind of like purposely made it sound like you were getting trapped <laughs> in an electronic or a video game, um, and I just I love that. Uh, yeah, so we're really good at that. Like, I'll kind of come up with like a a topic, and then he's really good at uh, you know m- making a an accompanying musical piece that is usually themed. <laughs> so that one, I think, is kind of a perfect example of that that teamwork. Would Would you explain to Keith what chip tune is? <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's 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 be honest here. It's not just Keith; it's our listeners as well. Yeah, I, we've we've been called that before. I don't I don't necessarily um, consider that. I mean, I think it probably has. I know there's a genre of chip tune, which is like it's like eight bit sounding music. You know, kind of like old school video game style sounds. Like you know, very. Um, well, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's specific. It's 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 retro, like you know, old school synth sounds and stuff. And I think we do have elements of that. Yeah, some um, some. I, yeah. I, I I read it in a uh, write up of the record, yeah. and I thought, okay, like I I see some of that video game element, but it's not when we say chip tune. I think chip tune bands are the ones that are like hacking Game Boys. To perform with on stage and like yeah, it's a, that's what I think too. A core element of the band. It, it's it's more of a flavor that's mixed in with the rock and roll with you guys. I think it's just a lazy term people associate with us because they don't know like how to describe what we do. <laughs> but I think that's just like sometimes journalism is like that. You know, like it's it can be lazy. Um, sure. So I mean, but I I don't I don't uh, I'm not offended by that. I think chip tune is cool. Um, I think there's definitely some elements and sounds that could be associated with that and that retro style for sure. Could could we take that one step further? Whether if there's chip tune, it stands to reason that it could be chip core. Oh dear. I I you yeah I would let's say make that so. happen, Tierney. Let's make. It <laughs> I mean, are we talking about food or? music because oh, I was thinking might music. be more into the food the food <laughs> right <laughs> the food gang <laughs> and they have this new campaign you know Henderson Valley eggs you're gonna love our eggs <laughs> yeah this ain't your daddy's egg <laughs> and skateboard finally an egg for my generation <laughs> You know, and they have these bending guitar notes, and then they intercut it with, like, a quiet, like, granny in a rocking chair, you know, sitting there go, I like eggs the old-fashioned way. <laughs> Fuck you, granny! <laughs> Edison Valley egg! You're gonna love the eggs! It's why the band is interesting, is you can't pin it down into one bucket. I mean, just, just to watch you perform, you're moving from the keyboard to the bass you know, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're the vocalist, but it's not, it's, there's more than just keyboards, bass guitars going on. I mean, you've got some sampling techniques. You've got a lot of stuff that's performed to a click, obviously, but the way mm-hmm. the whole band is syncopated. And then there's like some cool light elements on stage. I mean, it's a whole like visual and audio experience to see the pauses live. Yeah, we, we definitely try to make it a, you know, whole package deal. Um, we do we do have a light show that is um, synced to the music. Jason uh, built out this like it's it's beautiful. You know, each each instrument, bass, vocal, the drummer has a light in his kick drum, and then guitar has its own individual light, and the light syncs up with each individual part. Uh, and this has been pre-built. It's like a MIDI 
synced um, light show, and then the drummer's kind of controlling that along with the, the the tempo that we're all on. So it's all synced to the music, and yeah, so there's you know the drummer is also triggering samples on his rolling pad, and then Jason's playing electronics along with that. It comes together really impressive. It's very cool. Oh, thanks so much. You'll have to forgive my ignorance. Does that allow for a lot of improvisation? No, uh, not, not, uh, well, in, in like with the, you know, the guitars and like the vocals, I think, I think we just naturally do that. Like I know Jason and I, <laughs> we definitely change things up. Like he'll, he'll play like a different guitar line. Like, oh, that was cool. You know, like I think we both like to have fun with it, but, um, some of this stuff is, is hard to, it's hard to change cause it's, um, you know, set up already a certain way. So, but yeah, we, we do kind of play around with other stuff, you know, I'll change a vocal line or whatever um, just to keep it fun. <laughs> in, in promoting the record, you got to do some pretty cool YouTube channel uh, radio station type of performances. You did uh, day trotter with paste. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a really cool toast and jam session uh, and then you had the performance on Audio Tree that you can stream a lot of places. All three seemed like they were very cool experiences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's always fun and, and nerve wracking. <laughs> um, I was so impressed with the Audio Tree experience because all of that stuff um, is done live and so fast. You know, you have like 10 people uh, working and getting this thing together, and then it, and then it's just live <laughs> and it sounds and looks incredible. Um, so that was, that was a really cool experience. Um, I was really happy with how that came out too. Yeah. That, that stuff's so fun to do for me. It is a little <laughs> nerve wracking cause you're live and it has to be, you know, good. <laughs> <laughs> but pressure, it's exciting. Yeah. Pressure to perform well. Yeah. Um, that audio tree session. I don't know if you can see, behind me or not i'm gonna try and block out the bright light um behind me are three prints from the bird machine oh Um, yeah in in your audio tree session you brought out for the song had slash have uh a little cameo from jay ryan of dianoga and uh, and the bird machine an incredible designer and and print a silkscreen printer and uh, and musician in and of his own right. How did you hook up with Jay? That's so cool. Yeah, I I love Jay. Um, so he's one of my all time favorite bass players. Like I, I I could say you know Dianoga is definitely like an influence for me with bass playing. Um, how did we meet Jay? Um, I think probably through uh, the guy who did our album cover art. Uh, Dan Black, who has a printing company called Landland. He's from Chicago area. I don't think he's there anymore, but I would say probably through him and just mutual mutual friends. And um, I think we got to know Jay through him better. Um, and I just asked him because I was like, oh, you know what it was? I just remembered. I met him through Dan Black at South by Southwest because I used to go there sometimes. And I went to um, Flatstock which is the print uh, convention they have there. And I had been such a long time fan. I was like, I gotta go meet Jay Ryan. I just, I'm just going to (laughs) go. And I was on tour, I think. And I, I went to see him and and met him. He was super cool. He he took, we took a picture and he's like, let's spin around. (laughs) So I have this picture of us like spinning around and in motion. And it's pretty funny. And um, I think he just kept in touch. And I just asked him if he wanted to come and play on the audio tree with us. That was, yeah, that was pretty special for me. That was a big, big, I am a big fan. Yeah. What a neat experience. Yeah. It was pretty cool. You have moved from Orlando to Gainesville. Uh Uh-huh. You at one point were described as an ambassador for the (laughs) Orlando scene. I was. You were, Um, which is uh, to me quite a compliment. A lot of pressure. I know, right? (laughs) Do you you still consider the pauses an Orlando band? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, everyone else is in there, Orlando, and that's where we rehearse. And um, I still go to Orlando a lot. So, yeah, I think so. You're still an ambassador, you think? (laughs) 
I I mean, I I really don't want to be one. <laughs> I won't force it on you then. Okay. <laughs> Usually when I look at at least what is uh, public facing as far as metrics, if there's a song that has, you know, five to 10 times the number of streams as, as the rest of an album, it's because, oh, well, that was, you know, on the movie soundtrack or that one, you know, was on the Gilmore Girls episode or something like that. Digital Detox was the single, but as far as what we can see, the the by far and away most popular song from the album was the best for the most for the least. Was there a Gilmore Girls soundtrack moment for that song that that propelled it to that success? I wish that would be amazing. Um, no, actually, I think it's because of the audio tree. That was the most popular audio tree um, song. And then uh, what happens is like uh, someone will add it to a playlist, and then I'll just kind of like keep spreading, you know, like that. And I think that's and it's just still like being added to playlists all the time. So I think that's why. It's a wonderful, interesting, and and spiraling pop tune. It's one of my favorite things. It's weird to me because um, it's it's probably the most epic song on that record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is weird that that's the most you know quote unquote popular song off that record. Um, I, it's one of my favorites to play, um, so I'm glad other people appreciate it. <laughs> Digital detox and and best for the most for the least. Um, and and I'll, I'll throw a third one in there. Eventually, everything connects. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was if I was running the record label and and listening to this album, saying, "Well, what are we gonna push?" Those would be <laughs> the three that I would think would be the easiest access. Yeah. But I want to talk about the song "The Means." I find that song interesting in that it's it's a little bit of a change of pace mm-hmm. from the rest of the record. I still find some tones in there that make me think I could find myself in a particular level of a video game. I mean, it's, it's consistent with the vibe of the rest of the record, but it, the means is kind of its own thing as far as a songwriter. Tell, tell me about that tune. It's probably the darkest record or song on that record. I think, um, at least lyrically, I think (laughs) maybe tonally too. That it's funny because that's that's one of the older like the oldest songs that was um, written, you know, or one of the earliest songs that was written for that record. Um, I think, oh god, it was years years old, and I uh, I had not done anything with it, and then like kind of brought it out and and we finished it. Um, so it it yeah it is it is kind of um, I don't want to say a sore thumb, but like a a little bit uh, different from the rest of the record, but I think that's also kind of cool, you know? And I think that's part of what we do too, is like, we're a little all over the place. I've always wondered what it would be like 
I love how that song establishes itself and its tempo. And then by the end of the song, it really works itself into this terrific crescendo. Yeah. Like this big energetic crescendo that you're like, okay, I didn't see that coming out of the song (laughs) at all, but I love where it went. Yeah. And I think that's the idea too, the the shock factor. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I think someone said it sounded like Portishead and then like metal. (laughs) Yeah. That's a fun one too. Cause uh, I'm remembering now uh, I got Jay to sing on that one. And I really wanted this male voice. Uh, and I, he was like, I don't know. And I'm like, please. And then he awesome. did. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah. He sounds great on it. Who else is uh, informing the pauses? Personally, um, my you know biggest influences are like Harry Nielsen. I'm a huge fan. Uh, Bjork. I love Bjork. Um, you know, Built to Spill is a big one. Cat Power. <laughs> you can just go down the list. Uh, Susie and the Banshees is a big one. You know, Fiona Apple. And then, of course, like Jawbox and uh, a lot of heavier stuff. Uh, we we all love this band called Auto Lux. It's like failure um, members. And Will we ever do a podcast episode that the band Failure is not mentioned on, Keith? Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> it does not seem that way. Sorry. <laughs> they are they are circling our orbits like Greg Edwards, Kelly, yeah. <laughs> Kelly Scott, Ken Andrews, every episode. Oh, man. Well, they should sponsor your podcast then. <laughs> they should or come on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. Both would be <laughs> ideal, but I'll take one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Last song I want to talk about specifically off that record, and then I promise I'll leave you alone to talk about other <laughs> stuff. Um, the beginnings of things. Let me inside of your head on on writing the beginnings of things, and and because I think it's one of the most lyrically interesting songs on the record. You know, sometimes I don't know <laughs> why something happens. Um, sometimes I just live in this abstract world where things just come out and. Maybe later on I figure out why, um, and then maybe sometimes I don't know why and know in the moment. I think that's one of those mysterious ones. Um, Maybe I was just, like, generally speaking of how things are exciting in the beginning uh, and, you know, not so exciting later. (laughs) I I, I don't know. it is a little cryptic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I like to be a little cryptic sometimes, though. pauses you've uh, you've put an ep out under uh, as a solo project under the tyranny tough name oh uh, yeah i have one ep 
came out last year. Mm-hmm. Is that indicative of what's next for you? Are you going to pursue both solo and the band, or are you going to focus on one over the other? What's what's next for you? Yeah, um, I I'm still working on solo stuff. Yeah, uh, I have an e- another EP ready to go. Pretty much, I just have to record it. Um, finish record. I started a little bit, but um, have that, and then um, the band is pretty heavily involved in our next record. So we've been working a lot on that. Um, and it's taken a little bit of some, some time. Uh, we, we, we like to take our time with things and make sure it's good. Um, and that I think also it's been kind of a big discovery process, um, at least for me, content wise. So there's been some, you know, some learning to do in, 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 yeah, it's hard to say without going into it, but um, it'll be a little bit more. Like, I don't, I don't want to say conceptual, but a little bit more leaning heavier on the themes. Um, so more, it's been more involved for me personally. Okay. <laughs> um. So so yeah, we're we're excited about that. We've been working pretty hard on on finishing writing for that. When you're not doing the pauses. What are you doing to to keep yourself busy? I know, and I do want to plug uh, the drummer for the group. Nathan has a really cool website, uh, flickchart.com. It's a movie review website mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I love talking about movies. So, oh yeah, that's yeah, uh, that's been a big thing for me. I mean, we're we're all pretty much movie buffs, and we talk a lot about movies. His website is a it's a rating website. Um, it's really fun, and you can you can lose time on it. <laughs> Actually, Quentin Tarantino uh, talked about it recently, which is pretty cool. I saw that. Yeah, um, that's very cool. I, yeah. <laughs> Last year, you guys got paired with. Um, you did some dates with Mock Orange. Mock Orange is one of my favorites. I I probably listened to them. I don't know. There's something about their music. Like I can work to it, you know, like it's like really great uh, motivational music, I guess. Um, it's cause it's so fun and mathy and catchy and melodic. Um, so we, yeah, getting to play with them was, was pretty cool. We just played with this band sloth rust. They're yeah. really fun. Yeah, we, we did um, our, we hadn't toured in two years. So this year was our first time back touring and we got to do two, two really fun tours. Um, you know, just, we, I just feel so lucky that we were able to make those happen and, you know, everyone was safe and nobody got hurt or (laughs) sick or anything. And it just all went really great and so much fun. Yeah. Who is the dream tour for 2023? If you could, if you could pick any band to go out with, with the pauses, who would you grab? Oh my goodness. Like opening for someone or just anybody or have them open for you. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I mean, I have a, I think we have a couple ideas. What One of the, the bands that we had the most fun with touring with was uh built to spill. We just, it was just such a dream, you know, getting to play with one of your all time favorite bands and hearing that we did the, uh, keep it like a secret um, anniversary tour and uh, hearing those songs every night was just a dream. So that had to have been so cool, man. Just surreal, you know, and they're all such lovely people too. Uh, Doug Marsh, just, just a great guy. And um, uh, just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I would go back out with Built This Bill <laughs> and Jawbox. I loved, we love Jawbox so much too. It just, just anybody who's nice and has, you know, good music is great. <laughs> it sounds like the the next pauses record is at least mostly written. Are we are we hoping to have something out in in twenty twenty three, or are we shooting for maybe further out? I mean, it's so hard to say. You know, with like trying to find support and help, um, and then you know, with the turnaround time for things. Um, we're, we're, we'd love to record. That's our, you know, small goal. <laughs> so 
finish writing and record. It's kind of a waiting game after that. Is the temptation to just throw something up on Bandcamp and and get immediate gratification and not have to wait the 16 months for the record pressing plant? Does, does that tempt you at all? We're pretty patient about, you know, waiting to have the full representation of something. Like that's pretty important to us. Um I know that some people do release digitally first, but I would think they at least have an idea when the vinyl's coming out. But yeah, for us, uh, we, we're willing to wait to make sure it's all good. I'm dying to see the Kate Blanchett movie. Tar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's on my list as well. Yeah. I would I would watch her do anything. She's incredible. Yeah. She, she was in a film that I saw, um, I think it was earlier this year, called Nightmare Alley uh, that I really loved. Uh, that yeah, if you haven't seen that, she's amazing in it. Yeah. Did you uh, ever see her in the the Bob Dylan movie where she played Bob Dylan? I can't remember the name of the movie. Oh no, I need to. Oh. I need to see that. Yeah. It's it's, it's is, she, is she awesome? She, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, she's incredible. <laughs> Tierney, this was super fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. I had such a great time. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah, and say say bye to your um doggy for me. That's Rufus right here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Rufus. Hi, Rufus. Say goodnight, Fitz. This is a uh, arrow. What, arrow. Yeah. Oh, uh, what do we got? A little Yorkie. She's a Bichon Chihuahua mix. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, kind of looks more like a Westie, I guess. That's what I was thinking of. I'm sorry. Yeah. Westie. Yep. But yep. a little bit of Yorkie. Yeah. What's she licking? What's her scratching or what's uh she's got this like um it was like a little wart. Uh she has like um Gainesville, there's like a lot of dust and pollen and stuff that she just like collects, so her allergies are pretty bad here. <laughs> I gotta pay for medicine every month for him. Yeah, yeah, the apoquil. That's exactly it. Yep, yep, yep. her too. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks so much. Nice to meet you all. And uh, I look forward to the podcast coming out. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Um, Take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Many thanks to Tierney Tough. Our theme song is Rocket Sled by Blip. Abandoned Albums was recorded at Thunder Love Studios. Written and produced by Keith R. Higgins and Jeff Calhoun. Engineered and mixed by Steve Beasley with the help of Mike Hunt. Edited by AJ Royce. The songs you heard during this podcast were Off You, Digital Detox, The Best for the Most for the Least, The Means, and The Beginnings of Things. You can stream the pauses wherever you stream your favorite music, and be sure to check them out on Bandcamp. Original music by Mike Pellegrino. If you like what you've heard, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. It really does help. Thanks for listening. At Twitter, we are at Abandoned Albums. And on Instagram, we are at Abandoned underscore Albums. Grazie. Bailey Leaf. Rob Janicki. Mike Pellegrino. Therina Vella. Ronnie Barnett. S.W. Loudon. Michael Janicki. Peyton Janicki. And our executive producer. This is Thunderwolf. And now until we meet again next time, I remain as always obediently yours. Abandoned Albums is a production of Paw Print Media. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. 
In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.